everybody. Football Fact Check is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? I hope you know that because I've been telling it to you all season long. Either way, GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans, including one Dave Damashek, have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. I love the ability to take a look online and see basically what your seat's going to look like, what your view from the seats is going to look like down to the field, thanks to the in-app panoramic seat view photos. If I could get tickets to one NFL game in week 14, it might be up in Buffalo to see the Ravens. Well, then again, maybe it would be the Niners going down to play the Saints. Can't go wrong, and if you're looking for tickets for either, make sure you check out Game Time. Download the app, super easy to use, easy two-tap checkout. Head over to the App Store or PlayStation now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. It's Game Time. Hi and hello and welcome to December, football fans, and welcome to Football Fact Check here on The Athletic. Welcome to our free episode. We do a free episode to start the week, and then every Wednesday we do our subscribers-only show. With both, we encourage you, nay demand, that you spread the good word to your friends, to your family, and with the holidays fast approaching, what better gift is there than a subscription to The Athletic where you can hear all the podcasts there literally three digits worth of them out there for you whatever your sport the athletics got you covered we're going to talk about pro football today because that's what we do on football fact check a lot to talk about i think about half of you within the sound of my voice probably are happy because your team won the other half of you your team didn't win and so you're probably down in the dumps a little bit coming up the ravens riding high A narrow victory, especially by their standards, after a month or more of just destroying all comers who got in their path. The San Francisco 49ers mounted a tough test. We're going to talk about that and what lays ahead for the Baltimore Ravens with Jeff Zriebeck, the Ravens beat reporter for The Athletic, in just a minute. And then also we're going to talk with Kevin Turner, host of About Them Cowboys, about America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, not riding high, but still in the mix for a postseason berth, I suspect Spoiler alert that they will get one based on how Doug Peterson's team is playing. I mean, they lost to the Dolphins, for goodness sakes. That's that's not good or bad. That's just plain ugly. Um, let's say hello to everybody and belated happy Thanksgiving going around. First of all, to our guy, Gabe. How are you, Gabe? I'm doing really nicely. Yeah? Do you yeah. eat good turkey and such? Just a big bowl of peas for me. That was it, right? I no. forgot where we left off last week. You, I, uh, you shamed yourself and your family by announcing your favorite food to eat at Thanksgiving is peas. Well, you know, uh, we were having a draft, and that was the best available. Uh, the, there were no peas at my Thanksgiving, but there was delicious turkey, and uh, it was a nice time. Excellent. And you, I assume, tuned out the Jets because that was... Yeah, well, I wanted to put an asterisk on what you said earlier right. about half you people out there are happy because your team won and the other half yes, unhappy because right. your team lost. No, actually, there's a qualifier there. Uh, happy because our team lost in the competition for number one. It was a critical game. I think that's a smart move at this point. Losing for the to Jets the Bengals fans. of all teams. That's mm-hmm. the best team to lose to. Victories like that, when they don't matter for anything, all they're going to do is get you another year's worth right. of gase. I think that's what you're going to get anyway. I'm sorry to report. Zuri, how are you? I'm doing well. No no peas for me. No cranberry sauce either. Sorry. What? Yeah, I actually had salmon. And uh, we just had some fish for Thanksgiving. So You had what, salmon? Salmon, yeah, from Alaska, so it was very nice, but uh, kind of People are getting a little crazy. That's with weird. the the not. I don't know where. I'm going to have to really spend some quiet time. I don't want to make a rash decision, but I, the feedback I've gotten is when I ask people the last couple of days, how was your holiday? People say, oh, we went steaks. Oh, we went surf and turf this year. Oh, we decided to do away with the turkey and everything. I don't know if I feel good about that or not. I'm going to have to consider it. I don't want to just uh, throw out a rash opinion. Let's say hello now, though, to Quincy, whose uh, Thanksgiving feast, as usual, included his beloved Detroit Lions. And as usual, they disappointed. Very disappointed, but they looked good while they was doing it. I love them great uniforms they had out there. 
And, you know, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful every season. Glass half full. Well, Matt Patricia is probably going to be back next year, so don't get your hopes too high. Um, He is supposed to be a defensive wizard, and the defense keeps letting him down. That brings me to this, fellas, before we get to our two guests today. Um, What do you think? It is the season of giving, and I love getting good gifts for people more than really at this point receiving gifts. I I, I don't want to overstate that because – if my family and friends hear that, they'll say, you do? Well, show us some evidence. But I push back with it's the thought that counts. And I have a lot of great ideas for people, what gifts they would like. The follow through, not as good, but like the cliche says, it's the thought that counts. So I deserve credit, mm-hmm. right? Is that? That's I, I follow the same thing. Thank theory. you. Counts for something. Um, so uh, what, let's say, give you can give yourself the gift. If your team is down and out, like Gabe watching the Jets and Zuri watching the Rams, they're well, borderline out of it, there. But, but maybe, yeah. and then and then Quincy with his Lions. Why don't you give yourselves the gift of a new team to follow and enjoy through the last month of the season and into the postseason? What's the feel-good story of the NFL this year? There are a lot. I mean, you know, you could go at the top of the mountain, Lamar Jackson running that wishbone and everything else. He's a humble guy. He seems like a very likable kid and everything. Um, that's a nice story. You go, Buffalo is nice. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to make any decisions for you. I'll start with you, Gabe. I, I want, you know, the brand new Xbox. I want Lamar. I want the Ravens. I don't Mm. have any sort of guilt about rooting for them. I feel like Baltimore as a place, you know, is not hard to, to root for them. Mm -hmm. You know, they could use a break. They're fun to watch. And most importantly, I think I'm rooting for progress. I'm rooting for the change of the game. I'd love to have five guys who can play the game like Lamar Jackson out there one day. So I'm rooting for his success so that all these hot takers stop telling me about how it won't work and he can't last and it won't work in December and January. I want the end of that, and I just want to see 17 weeks of guys like him from now moving forward. It's super interesting you mention that because, and I'm I'm not one to push back hard on the Lamar Jackson phenomenon, but I did around October, early October, after not just in the off season, but even in 2018, I was a big advocate. And in fact, at the 2018 draft, I thought there were a lot of teams that made a mistake by not taking Lamar Jackson when he was sitting there. I really thought he had a chance to kind of pseudo revolutionize football. I wonder though, but, and then come October, I started to think, is this sustainable? But it was more about the defense and the Ravens defense is now, um, has become complimentary as they say, because you just can't possess the ball for that long and have a defense that just gives uh, the points right back immediately. This defense is now complementing what the offense is doing. Um, I wonder though, if, because defensive coordinators will figure everything out eventually. I wonder if, if the, they will get victimized, the Ravens, if the league starts to populate more guys. Lamar Jackson is a special talent. And I'm not sure who else is out there. Taysom Hill. I mean, can you run, a week uh, can you can you run the poor man's version of what Lamar Jackson's doing if you get Taysom Hill is does he become somebody who teams are out there chasing in this offseason no I I don't think that there are very many people on the planet who are like Lamar Jackson physically um I you know I said it weeks ago on this show I think that this is like if Deion Sanders could pass the ball Hmm. you know this is like the most exciting freakish athlete we've ever seen and he can read a defense and throw the ball downfield so i don't think we're going to get lots of guys like him and i certainly don't think Taysom hill is the alternative to him Taysom I hill, just, well that's the what's interesting can you counter what the ravens are doing by copycatting them no or is there are there just not very many not, people that can get away with doing that not in not with the group of people who currently make up professional football i think there's kids in high school right now who will go to Ohio State and be told that their future is defensive back or whatever, who are going to play quarterback and become Lamar Jackson. You know, Johnny Manziel was almost this guy. Remember, it was it was only a few years ago we had a first attempt at this, and then he didn't you know work out for other reasons. But I think a few success stories, and Deshaun is similar, of guys who can really run around and get told, oh, you're too, you're too small, you're too slight, you're going to get hurt if you run around like that, who if they don't and they play 10 years and win – 
all those kids will become that guy in the pros. There, there are some teams that you can look through and everybody you can play 2020 hindsight game with, uh, oh, look at the, 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 the two worst teams that probably are kicking themselves the most are the Bengals, who could have taken Lamar Jackson, and you wonder where they'd be. And the other one is the Jaguars. If the, ja- the He was sitting there for them, and they took, uh, what's his name? I'm trying to think of the kid's name from Florida. When they did, de- uh, Tevin Bryan, they didn't need to add to the defensive front. They could have uh, rolled the dice a little bit with, with that guy, and instead they decided to stick by Blake Bortles. And now here they are with, I guess, uh, I guess they emerge okay on the other side if Gardner Minshew makes it for the long haul. Zuri. Who's a who's the fi- I guess what I'm kind of asking feel good story of 2019 is it Lamar is uh, it Josh Allen Yeah well uh, first of all Gabe you have a very reason you know structured answer so kudos there Thank you Um I want to say the Bills just because um you know they don't win um but as, as i said the titans before we got started i think they just have the fewest foes it's hard to hate the titans um they don't really have too many big rivals in the league um derrick henry might get you buck 50 on any given day and um if they lose you're not gonna be very disappointed because you didn't care about them anyway so i think that's more the thing i'm not denigrating <laughs> the titans or their fans but they have a weird vibe to them and it kind of applies to the Jags, too, and it's exciting after watching Deshaun Watson on Sunday Night Football vanquish the Patriots. But I feel like the AFC South is the division that's kind of like, they have it has the least vibe to it. You have the Colts who dominated it for a long time, and other and those other teams have kind of spiked up here and there. But I don't, I, I don't, it's not that like the, the opposite of love isn't hate. It's it's apathy, mm. and I think people are more. I don't think anybody hates or loves the Titans. I yeah. think pe- the, the, there's a lot of apathy that washes over that team for some reason. I don't know that anybody is that excited. I get it. Compl- I mean, we saw, sat on this show and said in the first week or two of the season, by mid, uh, you know, that they were going to replace Mariota, and they just needed to get going with that move sooner rather than later. They finally listened, and uh, I, I think they are listeners to Football Facts. Oh yeah, they Mike are. Vrabel and company. And they finally made that move and and to their benefit. And it's interesting where they now sit in the postseason race for what it's worth. They go to Oakland this week. That's a losable game. And if they lose that one, they're in some real jeopardy of having a shot because they still have to play Houston twice. However, they beat the Raiders. It's not implausible as good as they've been and running the ball and with uh, Derrick Henry, like you say. It's not implausible that they could sweep the Texans and then they would win the division, and that would ter- turn Deshaun Watson and company into a wild card and a high-end one at that um, come January. I hear your noise about that one. If you like to see new-age quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson and company making a run would uh, would be compelling as well. Q, you want to throw one into the mix here? Honestly, I'm going to have to go back with Lamar Jackson because, I mean, at this point, who's going to stop him? I mean, he's the only quarterback right now to currently Don't be, be... front-running here. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, hey, I know. But... Hey, I'm going to throw the Titans out here. The so measure I... the measure isn't <laughs> who's going to stop him. It's the one that's a feel-good story. But, okay, go I mean, ahead. The feel-good story behind it for me is the fact that he's a quarterback but has literally 977 rushing yards. Ranking Yikes. top Crazy. eight as far as rushing yards go. So, How about I'm that? thinking in the next four games he could at least get – maybe 1,200 at least and be top five rushing yards for the year. So it's a great story. What if, I mean, I also think, and it's not just because we're going to talk to Kevin Turner from the Cowboys, but how about the Cowboys with all the doom no. and gloom right now? <laughs> what if they What if they rally? They're a fun team with Dak and uh, some fun fellows on that team. That would be an interesting <laughs> story if they, could, uh, if they could get on a little roll. And I have to stand up a little bit. For I know the Steelers make the playoffs a lot, but isn't the Duck Hodges story enough to make you think that this is a a fun thing? And I don't care as a Steelers fan. I really don't care this season. I've modified expectation. I know or I knew as soon as Ben Roethlisberger went out, this team does not end holding the Lombardi trophy. If They just get in. I, I modified expectation much like I was a Bills fan or a Browns fan. 
you know, get in. That's a that's that's a that's a great season for our for our organization, right? That's uh, not a good one if they are, do. You have too many Super Bowl wins to qualify for any feel good stories. I in, disagree. Uh, this uh, is nice. They don't you see? They purged the prima donnas. They got rid of Antonio Brown and Levy and Bell moves on, and they're not better for it, but they're surviving without it. Well, no less. And, and Roethlisberger, the future Hall of Famer, is on the shelf, and they're uh, still winning games. That's a nice story. We, all, we always expect them to win games. I like your AB argument though i would just transplant that to the raiders like you know yes also true last season in oakland they had a b they lost a b we're all making fun of them early in the season that's that's like more of a true uh underdog story i'd say but uh yeah maybe the steelers i, I don't I, know i think that to be a feel-good story we're sort of circling around it and it's already just hinted at it. yeah it's got to be like all you got right so the buffalo makes sense if Buff- buffalo what what are they i mean i'm not trying to knock the city of Buffalo, but we know how much a Bills win would mean to those folks. I can't say that it would mean as much to people in some of the other places we're talking about. Hmm. They've got I, sport- I, I root for fan bases all the time. That is exactly right. I win a game. Oh, how's that? How's that? How's that one going to go? You going to root for anybody in this Super Bowl? I always go to which which fan base would enjoy it more. Right. So so Steelers fans have certainly they're still high off. Several great years with Big Ben, including some Super Bowls. They've got Penguin season going on. I assume they're still good. I don't know. They've got just stuff. No, they've turned into the Chargers. Nobody's healthy on their team right. ever. But anyway. They, they've been lucky in their lifetimes. No no one walking around knowing what's going on on the field has you know, been without a, a win in their lifetime. Whereas up in Buffalo, this would be like the thing. So you got to, you know, Baltimore doesn't have a whole lot of other professional sports success. This would be pretty cool to have one. Granted, they've won a couple in our lifetimes, but I agree. And, you know, you can point to the teams that never seem to get any luck. I think maybe the best Super Bowl to thread the needle on what you're kind of describing, Gabe, Mm -hmm. is I know the Royals won the World Series a few years ago, and that was a big miracle story and all that. But Kansas City. And the and Minnesota, the Vikings have been around forever. Those two teams, the Vikings and Chiefs, play in Super Bowl four, and the Vikings since then have lost three more Super Bowls. They haven't been back in forever. The Chiefs win Super Bowl four, and they never get back. They're one of the storied franchises of the NFL. They haven't been in a Super Bowl in more than half a century. That one would be a great one. That would be a feel good story, no matter who wins it, and based on style of play. Patrick Mahomes is exciting for the kids who want to see more offense in a year that's been defense dominant. So if they won, that would be great. And on the other side, if Kirk Cousins got over to, you know, to to knock down everybody who's doubted him over the months and years, that would be good too. I think that's a, not a bad one. But you know what? The Bills would also be good. Oh, you know what? We did talk about that before. Bills Vikings is the ideal because they're a combined 0 and 8. They've both yeah, been to four Super perfect. Bowls. Both have lost every game they've ever played. That's your that's the sweet spot. That would be nice. And yeah, I mean And they would all turn out. The fan bases would both turn out. But so would be so would the Chiefs fans. Yeah, but I mean but, uh, boy, I'm just thinking about if any Fox execs are listening to this show, the the nightmares they're having of these matchups. This is not what they're rooting for. They they're hoping the Cowboys can turn things around and Brady'll get it right and get something like that in their their final game. But no, I I, I think I'm going to I'm going to amend it. The Ravens would be nice, but I realize they've got two rings in in my recent uh, fandom. I, I'm going to go Bills. I'm going to figure out a way to be a Bills fan, even though I'm an AFC East guy. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and jump on the Bills bandwagon. Bill, bandwagon, Bills Mafia. Yeah, I like it too. And just for what it's worth, they do go. They have a really brutal three-game stretch up coming here. They host the Ravens. Then they go to Pittsburgh on Sunday night. That game just got flexed up, so that's a big one for both those teams. And then uh, they go to New England. Now, it's not impossible based on how they looked against uh, against Dallas on Thanksgiving. You know, they might if if they can beat the Ravens, then I think you would start to expect them to beat Pittsburgh. They're the you know the, the Duck Hodges as uh, as I already mentioned gives every the the idea. That's the feel good thing about Pittsburgh is the there's no game you look at and say well they should win that one. There's a there's not a matchup in the NFL because they have their third string QB. Um, but if they beat the Ravens, all of a sudden then it starts to shape up that if they can then take down Pittsburgh, which they, again, would probably be expected to do, then they go to New England, who has the 
Chiefs this weekend, I mean, I think most people, based on what they just saw from Deshaun Watson on Sunday Night Football, would think that Mahomes is going to win that game. Mm. Then you're talking about, are the Bills going to win the division? Ugh. Well, we're putting the cart before the horse. <laughs> Let's see him beat the Ravens first. And then uh, they'd, they'd no longer be a feel-good story by that point, right? Because then uh, they'd be preemptive winners. Not for you, because then they'd be sitting on high, and yeah. Zuri chooses the front. Right? Chose, well. Zuri's front running. Before we move on. Who's going to beat them? That's why I'm going to pick them. Yeah. So I'm on the right side of history. Giants are 2-10. and 10, Cowboys are 6-6. Six and six. If the Giants win out, Cowboys lose out. Giants can make the playoffs. There's your feel-good story right there. Okay, we'll move on. No one would feel good <laughs> to see the Giants in the playoffs. Come on. I'm kidding. That would what one thing that would do, what the the story off of that would be, we're changing the playoffs structure. <laughs> if a six and ten team just won got into the playoffs, we cannot continue to go forward this way. And that changes today. We don't maybe they would even just cancel that. Yeah. All right. Ignore what you're looking at here. We can't allow this. It's too embarrassing. Um, all right, let's get to it. Let's start uh, with the team at the top of the mountain now um, and hear from a guy who's with them every day, covering them. It's a guy you've heard before if you're listening to Football Fact Check. Great insights on all things Baltimore Ravens. Here comes Jeff Zrebeck, everybody. All right, let's get to it. One of the big stories of the 2019 season, of course, it's almost old news now. The Ravens win again. This one, though, a little bit different because it was close. They've been housing everybody that's uh, gotten in their path. Here to talk about these Ravens and where they're headed into the early part of 2020, it's Jeff Zrebeck. How are you, man? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining once again. And, uh, of course, on The Athletic, Charm City-based reporter, Jeff is. Hey, before we get into our five downs of questions, which is uh, a name our, our producers have come up with for this, it's brilliant, Um a quick question for you. Did you ever see the late 80s Dragnet remake with Dan Aykroyd in it and Tom Hanks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do people point that out to you? No, no, why? Well, Tom Hanks' character is Pep Strebeck. Oh, really? That's you never noticed that? No, I didn't. Oh. You well, know, there people you go. point so out, I covered baseball for a while, and people like to point point out that I look like Placido Polanco, uh, the old uh, infielder for the Tigers Phillies. So one time I was covering an All Star game in baseball, and I went up to Placido Polanco at the media day, and he kind of did a double take. He's like, "Wow!" It's like he was looking in the mirror. So uh, I haven't heard the dragnet, but I but I have heard Placido Polanco quite a bit. Wow, I love that he could see that when he uh, when he looked at you. That's pretty cool. Yeah, usually people that are immune to seeing like, oh yeah, you look like that guy. Usually because it's uh, it's an insult, you know. Usually I, nobody ever is like, you look a lot like George Clooney. People don't usually do that one. I'm trying to summon what Placido Polanco looks like to to see if I get the comp. Anyhow, let's talk about these Ravens and uh, and beyond here. And it occurs to me that. In early December, in the rain, it was not uh, a perfect atmosphere to see these two teams get it on. But I'm curious from a fan standpoint, um, how how is the city, because one of the old uh, cliches is uh, this, this city, this blue-collar town really appreciates the way this team wins, which I always find to be nonsense. But nevertheless, the Ravens, much like the Pittsburgh Steelers, have been largely predicated on defense. How's the citizenry uh, reacting to an offense first team? Oh, they're loving it. I, I mean, look, everybody loves, you know, the uh, defensive identity that they had for so many years with, you know, the, the two first ballot Hall of Famers and Lewis and Reed and so many others like, like Suggs and Nada and all that. But Recent years, and I think we, we even discussed this a little bit the first time I was on, you know, this team had gotten stale offensively. It wasn't fun to watch at all. Everything was such a slog. Now, they did some good enough things to win and be competitive and be in the hunt, but you, you never saw them just blow a team out and pose their will on another team offensively. Or you rarely saw that. And, uh, you know, they have the highest scoring team in the NFL um, you know, here and and I, it's been a, it's been a welcome breath of fresh air. Um, and for them to do it with with an exciting young quarterback, they, they've obviously never seen, uh, you know, an offensive player like this. Uh, you know, people are very excited, and uh, you know, I think it's totally unexpected too. You know, I don't know how many times I wrote this Ravens offense is what's going to be a work in progress, 
And, you know, it still may be, but uh, as they're doing that, they're basically uh, the number two ranked offense in the league and they scored more points than everyone. So, uh, you know, I think Ravens fans are happily embracing putting up points, uh, you know, after years of kind of just grinding out wins behind a great defense. Yeah, it is, you know, and uh, speaking of cliches um, that and, and, and going against those to the pleasure of uh, of the Charm City football fans there, it is also like that people are eventually, the cynicism, people are going to catch up with what, what Lamar Jackson and this offense is doing. You know what else every defensive coordinator will catch up with? Everything else. Look at Sean McVay and Jared Goff and that team this year. Everything is going to ripen and eventually people will catch up with it. But do you think that based on what San Francisco is doing, you know, they are, in fact, a dominant defense, and it has endured a little bit longer than even what the Patriots did. They got housed by Lamar and company and then uh, by Deshaun Watson on Sunday Night Football. But do you think there are any lessons for the rest of the NFL to take from what the Niners did, albeit in the rain against the Niners, I mean, against, uh, against the Ravens in Week 13? Yeah, I'm sure there's a little bit. Um, you know, they you know they were in zone a lot. They they made uh, you know Jackson make some tight throws and some tight windows. But um, you know, and they they played Ingram a lot up the middle. They seemed determined not to get beat uh, constantly. Was giving up 10, 12 yards of carry on the Gus Edwards uh, Jackson dot or excuse me the Gus Edwards uh, Ingram dive up the middle and all that and. You know, and even if that meant, you know, giving Jackson some running room on the outside in a couple of plays. Um, so, you know, I think teams will try to copy it as much as they can. We all know it's a copycat league. Um, but look, their personnel is really good. Yeah, You know, they were able to give the Ravens some problems. You know, there's not a lot of Fred Werners out there who can cover tight ends and at one point even ran with Marquise Brown, who's not not that healthy, but still, he made a play on a ball intended for Marquise Brown, who was one of the fastest players in the draft. Uh, he took, you know, he made a couple breakups on, uh, you know, on Mark Andrews, and then you have Sherman on the outside, Jimmy Ward, you know, and not even to mention their front, how how, how long they are, how athletic they are. Uh, you know, you can try to copy it all you want, but I don't know that there's there's another team out there that has that sort of personnel. Uh, that sort of athleticism and, and, and versatility and even physicality. I, I was so impressed by that defense yesterday. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit, and, I, yeah, I would love to see that, that game on a clean, fast track and, and see how the, the offense measures up with the 49ers defense, get an even better idea. Um, but, yeah, I, I think people try to replicate that. Uh, but there's a reason the 49ers came in with the best defense in the league. They're able to do things that no other teams uh, – kind of have been able to do this year so there's only so much you can replicate I'm with you completely about that and I wonder on the AFC side of things is there a team that you can sort of identify that maybe is a little scary I mean the the margin of victory and you know it's uh it's fairly straightforward it's not high-end math on my part but the teams that have the greatest margin of victory tend to, at minimum, get to the final four, and also having a bye is a major factor in the last ten uh, in the last uh, ten years of of pro football. It is a uh, you know seventeen out of the twenty Super Bowl participants had a bye. They're tracking in positive directions with both of those things. But is there a team that you see on the AFC that? That scares you a little bit. I mean, the the only one that comes to mind for me really is the Chiefs, and that's by virtue of the victory that they had. But that, of course, like we talked about with Jenga pieces, J- Jimmy Graham, for some reason, when he's out there, plus Marcus Peters, it, it it is a different defense. So, is there any team that that rightly will go out there onto the field come January that uh, that will scare the the Ravens a, a, at all? Yeah, you know, I have to caution. Ravens fans are so excited, and you can understand why. You know, they've beaten right now. If you look at the projected playoff teams um, in the AFC, they've beaten everyone, or they've played every one of them. Excuse me. Uh, and then they've also beaten the you know two of the top three teams in the NFC, with the 49ers and Seahawks. Uh, so they're going to be battle tested. I, I don't know that there's any team that's going to scare them, but I agree with the Chiefs. I think the way, uh, you, you know, the best way to play this Ravens team right now 
is to get them chasing the game a little bit and get them out of these methodically long drives and feeling like they have to score first and, and, and score, you know, and put in touchdowns every time. They have to score quickly and all that. And I, I think we saw that in Kansas City. Uh, Greg Roman has done a terrific job. But in Kansas City, it was almost like they fell in love with this narrative of uh, we're going to show, uh, you know, we have a hot young quarterback that can, can make it rain too. And, and we're going to get into passing and we're going to pass on the team and show what Lamar can do opposite Mahomes. And it backfired when they started running the ball, the Chiefs couldn't stop them, but they got away from it. So I think the Chiefs worry you in respect of they can score right with the Ravens and perhaps even more if Mahomes gets hot. I mean, you're talking about a guy, I don't know if there's another guy like Mahomes out there right now. Um, and But then, you know, it's just, you know, what happens if the, if the Texans, if you face the Texans again and Watt's back off IR and, and they have a healthy fuller which they didn't have in that first matchup. And, you know, I don't think you want to go to – I don't care what you say about how poorly the Patriots look, how bad the Patriots look last night, or how much trouble they're having scoring. You do not want to go to Foxborough uh, in January. It's just such a tough assignment. And I think we all know if they play the Ravens again – Belichick will have a different plan. Whether they have enough athleticism there, uh, you know, to match up with the Ravens, it didn't look like it the first game. Now, the Ravens were clearly the faster, uh, you know, more aggressive team, but you know how Belichick makes adjustments. So nobody that scares you, uh, but certainly enough challenges out there where you look at it and you think, uh, you know, they're going to have their hands full going forward in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, obviously, what do we get? the the notion that uh, we're seeing all over social media today once again is if you haven't heard, uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots are finished. That's only we've only been saying that for somewhere between a half dozen to eight years. So this time it must be true. Um, as far as it goes, though, all of a sudden the Ravens do have the inside track on the on the number one seed. They have the head to head, of course. the The tougher schedule belongs to the Patriots the rest of the way. Do you imagine, and it's not uh, that big a leap, that if the Chiefs beat them in Foxborough on Sunday, that it might set up that headed into Week 17 that the Ravens will not need that game to have the number one seed. Do you think, from what you know about John Harbaugh, off the top of my head, I can't really recall what, or even if he's been in that position exactly, but is he, do you think, inclined to rest the starters or to keep on rolling? It would, of course, be, as if I have to tell you, it would be the Steelers who very likely are going to be playing for a postseason spot themselves. Do you think they sit down the 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 starters let them rest for cuz that would be a two week layoff two two Sundays with their feet up and then get back into things come the divisional round that's a great question and you know i'm not going to lie I've, I've been thinking about it a little bit or at least since watching last night and seeing the ravens take over the uh, one seed um for the time being I, I you know a lot of football to be played uh the ravens you know, I, I, you know, with the Patriots being home three out of four, um, and the Ravens, you know, having to play in Buffalo, for some reason, the last two years, the Ravens just don't match up well against Cleveland. Uh, I don't think that's a, a, a gimme game by any means. So there's a lot of work to do. Hmm. But yeah, it's easy to think down the road at that game in Week 17 with how aggressive, how physical those Ravens Steelers games are, how good the Steelers defense are playing. Uh, if you have the number one seed locked up, do you really want Lamar Jackson taking hits? Do you really want Cam Hayward and, and, and Bush and all those guys coming after him? I don't know. I, but I also don't think the Ravens would want to see the Steelers for a third time because, hmm. as we know, that game is going to be a close game. I don't care who's playing for the Steelers. I don't care who's playing for the Ravens. We've seen it so many times. We've seen Charlie Bass. We've seen Leftwich. We've seen the Ravens beat the Steelers with Ryan Mallett, of all people. So uh, I know the playoffs, the stakes are different, but I don't think the Ravens want to see, would want to see them a third time anyway. So does Harbaugh want to do his best to keep the Steelers out of the playoffs? I would think that would be the preference. I would think if, you know, a lot could happen in the matchups, but I think you'd rather have Tennessee coming to Baltimore uh, than Pittsburgh by, by, and that's without a doubt, even though, you know, Tennessee is, might be healthy and all that. So uh, it, it's an interesting thing what he's going to do. Um, I wouldn't think he'd want guys getting rusty. Um, so maybe it's one of those games where, where Jackson starts, and if it's going well, 
you know, they, they keep him in, but they take him out at a reasonable time just to get him, uh, you know, a, a couple quarters maybe. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I just have a feeling there's going to be something at stake, though, when that, when that comes down to it in Week 17. Uh, you know, when you saw that on your schedule uh, at the beginning of the year, you just knew Ravens-Steelers in Week 17 something was going to be on the line. So true, so true, and uh, apparently it still is true even uh, on the third string QB now for Pittsburgh. And you know, I love in December. It's one of the uh, one of the more enjoyable things for me as a sports fan is doing the calculations. Like if this team loses and then that wins, what does that mean? And what seed and all that kind of stuff. Are you satisfied? Listen, rivalries are fun, and I don't care what anybody else has to say. It's good for fans. Maybe the league doesn't like to celebrate them as much. Maybe the players like to do the jersey swap. But do you derive any satisfaction after the offseason with Baker Mayfield and every other ad, and in fact, uh, into December now, do you find any satisfaction in them not being a part of that playoff picture at this point? You know, I I don't know about satisfaction. It would necessarily describe what I'm thinking, but it, it you know, I'm not going to lie. I was sick of hearing about the Browns. I was amazed how, you know, they were anointed so quickly as the sexy team to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl before that team really proved anything. Um, I, you know, there's so many cautionary tales that go back years and years that would suggest uh, to let's wait and see, let's proceed with caution. But I get it. Um, I just, you know, you wonder when it's going to be about winning for them. You, you know what I mean? And, and I just say that it's always something else. It always, what is somebody saying about Baker Mayfield or, or, or Odell Beckham Jr.? Uh, why is a reporter asking me this? Who's wearing what? Who's saying what? And, uh, you know, you watch it from the outside, and, and it doesn't t- take too much of a, a leap to wonder why they're in their position they're currently in especially when you cover the Ravens and you've been around the AFC North, you know, the Steelers and the Ravens do business and all that. So, um, as I said, uh, you know, they're extremely talented. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, I think, you know, in the long run, uh, you know, we haven't heard the last of them. This year we have. But um, it's just, you know, I, you'd hope that they'd learn a lesson that, that all this stuff that has no bearing on winning and losing just give it a rest and just go out and play football and not worry about what everyone's saying or writing or, or what opponents are saying. You know, it's it just, it was kind of a tired act out of there all off season. And, and uh, you know, you, you do get a sense of they're getting kind of what they deserve. It is funny to think that even in January, we're likely to still be seeing Baker Mayfield ads in the empty stadium and how vexing that is for Browns fan. Because at some point, it turns over. When your team is bad and your guys are still doing the ads, you you grow upset with them. That's the, that's the delusion of being a, a sports fan. Either way, I see you already have my head spinning about 2020, that if the Browns have a different coach and they get it together, plus Lamar Jackson's Ravens and presumably Ben Roethlisberger back in Pittsburgh, and who knows, Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, what a brutal division, but we still have plenty of way to go here in 2019. Thanks so much for the time, man. Oh, thanks for having me. Have a great uh, holiday uh, month. Yeah, enjoy. Keep enjoying this uh, this fun season there in uh, in Charm Set at Charm City. Jeff's Rebeck, everybody, track him down on the Athletic. He's making good pages, great insight on uh, on what the Ravens are doing. And uh, Jeff, go get uh, go get Dragnet. I think that was a 1986 or 87 special. Tom Hanks is Pep Strebeck. It sounds uh, almost exactly. All right, like I'll name. check that out. All right, uh, there he goes, everybody. Jeff's Rebeck. Man, that's Rebeck's good, right? I enjoy listening to him quite a bit. Uh, some some good details there on the bald birdies. And uh, we're about to talk about America's team in just a second with Kevin Turner. First, though, if you're like me, you're unabashedly in love with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And no apologies coming. If that's what you're waiting for, look somewhere else. If you need more pens in your life, check out Dying Alive on the Athletic Podcast Network. Pat Damp, Jesse Marshall, and Mike Darnay lead you through every event from the season. In fact, they just gave the, you their very uh, their very own all-decade team like we did on this show, but we did it for pro football, of course. They did it for the uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I have a lot of thoughts about that. I'm not going to share them here. I'll share them on social media. How about that? And in the meantime, head over to Dying Alive on The Athletic. Check it out today, why don't you? 
All right, from uh, from the Ravens talk now, let's move to the Dallas Cowboys and see if we can figure out their murky short-term future. Are they going to win the NFC uh, East? I mean, the I don't know about uh, Zuri. You mentioned the Giants. <laughs> That's not going to happen, but no. I don't think the Skins are going to do it either. But... I don't think we want any team to win that division. Let's just implode the whole thing if we can. Well, listen, I picked the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl in the preseason, so I got to stick with that. So I do want the Cowboys (laughs) to win the division and then make hay in January just so I look good. And then Jerry Jones will be happy about it, too. I'll be happy for that. But more importantly, I'll look good. Hey, let's talk about uh, the Dallas Cowboys right now with the host of About Them Cowboys. It's Kevin Turner. All right, here we go now. One of the more compelling teams. Well, that's pretty much true perennially people love talking about america's team but this year not exactly for the right reasons but glass half full they're still right in the mix in the nfc east here to talk about the dallas cowboys who better to talk about than uh than the host of about them cowboys here on the athletic it's kevin turner what's happening man oh dave you know just another day in cowboy land which means uh no one uh get any sleep uh sleep with one eye open be ready for any type of chaos at all times. <laughs> I thought you were about to jump into some Metallica there for a second, <laughs> but let's talk about uh, the sleeping with one eye open. Zuri over there, the producer, looked a little uh, confused by what that reference was to. But let's talk about everybody knows what's going on with Jason Garrett right now. And what's your um, sense of everybody's kind of trying to lay out these hypotheticals about how deep the Dallas Cowboys need to go for Jason Garrett to remain the Cowboys coach in 2020. What's your, uh, what's your sort of math on that? Uh, going into the year, it was make it to the final four, which would be the NFC championship game. It is now make it to the Super Bowl. They're done. Hmm. The Joneses are done. They love Jason. Jason is family to them, but they are done. They understand what he is. Um, and this is just the end of the line. So it's over. They're not going to do anything rash and fire him in season. Um, you know, and it, it would kind of be weird to fire a coach who was in first place of his division. It would kind of be strange, even though it is a trash division and we all know that, but yeah, it, it is make it to the Super Bowl or, or see ya. <laughs> and, and that's why, you know, Jerry was a little emotional on Thanksgiving day after the game. And there's a lot of, you know, hypotheticals about why was he being so emotional? Is he, uh, is it his mortality, his age? Is it, uh, what is it? It's just frustration with the team, just sheer frustration. I think it, it really goes deeper than that. It, it's something he wanted to work so bad with Jason. He wanted it to work out. And two, you go back to the, the Garrett family tree. You know, Jerry had worked with Jason's dad, who had passed away a couple years ago. Jerry had worked with Jason's dad for a long time. And Jerry's a very loyal person. So I think when you put all of it together, it does kind of make sense that this not working out the way they hoped it would could make Jerry a little emotional on a Thanksgiving holiday and things like that. All of that kind of, to me, it, it was all lining up for that's why Jerry would be that way. So, you know, there, there may be people who are closer to the Joneses who may tell you different, but uh, I just know that I was frustrated with Jason even being here really the last couple years. <laughs> um, I know 2016 was a, was a good year, but we've seen the same thing. We've seen a refusal out of Jason to keep up with the times in the NFL. He treats the game. Yeah, I hear you. And, yeah, you know, right. the people who've been involved in pro football for any stretch of time will remind you it's the same as any other business. It's a people business and the relationships and everything else. But I also hear you on Jason Garrett. I thought that uh, that Kellen Moore was going to make a massive difference. And he and I guess he, he really has. So then the other side of that is since Marinelli arrived when they really didn't have a ton of talent on that side of things. He overnight pretty much turned it into a high end defense. And what, what's your, to me, uh, it, it's, it's hard to figure based on the pieces that they have on that side of the ball. What's your sense of why the defense is less than, uh, than uh, the, the, the sum is less than the, than the parts. You know, Dave, it's very interesting because I was listening to your podcast from before the Thanksgiving day. Uh, and you were kind of talking about uh, your feelings going into that game against the Bills, and you brought up some good questions about the defense. And I think everyone, at least in the in this area of the people covering the team, really 
overhyped the defense a little bit. And I'm guilty of that as well. Because it just looked like with the great rookie a season that Leighton Vanderesh had, uh, it seemed like the way Jalen Smith had come on, you, you really felt good about that part uh, of the defense. The defensive line, adding Robert Quinn, and by the way, I have no idea what this team would be without Robert Quinn. They're 6-6 six and six hmm. now. I mean, chalk one or two of those up to Robert Quinn because he has been so huge. He's been instrumental to their success. They've struggled in two areas, defensive tackle and safety. And at safety, they've been rolling out Jeff Heath at strong safety, and he's been hurt a little bit. They Everyone was kind of wanting them to get involved in the bidding for Earl Thomas, but they had some good inter, uh, internal hopes for Xavier Woods, and he hasn't made that step. They just don't get takeaways. They do not take the ball away from you, and this has been a trend now for five years. And this has been a trend now since Marinelli has taken over. And you know Chris Richard calls the defense now. He calls the plays defensively. But you're not seeing turnovers. And if you don't get turnovers in this league as a defense, you're not going to go far. Even if you go to the playoffs, you don't really see teams go deep in the playoffs who don't turn the ball over. So that's been a big problem, and that's an identity problem. And it makes you think that something has to change overall for that to ever change. It is interesting, and that's exactly right. Belichick probably, as as with most things in the 21st century, one step ahead of everybody else. Even when those Patriots defenses weren't statistically in the top five, the thing that they pretty consistently have done a good job of is uh, is take the ball away, and, and that is everything in the 21st century because there's just no such thing or there's little evidence of a dominant defense that just uh, that just smothers its foe. I guess San Francisco might be the exception to that. And as we look ahead to the playoffs, do you uh, the vibe I'm kind of if I may that I'm catching off of you, I think it's it's similar to what uh Eagles fans are doing up in Philadelphia and with with good cause, but what is ultimately the sense of how these final four games are setting up for the Cowboys and the likelihood with Philadelphia coming down to you? And the head-to-head win, I guess the division kind of comes down to to that one because if the Cowboys win that one, uh, you know they, they they certainly should win the division because of the the two and zero if they can um, vanquish those Eagles. But what is the the sort of vibe about the likelihood that the Cowboys kind of catch fire as Jerry Jones uh, in his uh, you know his glass maybe even a little more than half full? How likely do you, do you feel that is? I, I think they get in. I think they are, uh, I guess the, the analogy that I came up with today, and it's not very good, so just feel free to edit me out if you don't think it's <laughs> a good enough analogy. But you know when uh, some people try to do the moonwalk like Michael Jackson, but they don't, they're just unable to do it very well? That's the <laughs> Cowboys into the playoffs. Just kind of kind of backpedaling into the playoffs. Like, it's real bad. Um, and, and here's the thing. The Eagles getting beat by the Dolphins has allowed the Cowboys two free passes in the final four games. Mm -hmm. As long as it's not that Eagles game in week 16. And if you would have asked me this yesterday and the Eagles would have, uh, you know, beat the Dolphins, then the Cowboys would only have one free pass. I think it's going to be tough Thursday night in Chicago. It's going to be 30-something degrees. The Cowboys are finally going to practice outside, it looks like, when the weather's cold. Let's say it's it's about 50 degrees here uh, down in Texas. But they're going to actually practice outside to get used to some of the elements, elements a little bit. And then I think that Rams game is tough because what if the Rams find a way to get it into gear? I mean, that sixth seed is kind of uh, beginning to look like it's going to be wide open in the NFC, so I can see the Rams getting in the playoffs. So I don't think the Cowboys are going to go beat the Rams, and then you get to week 16, and I think the Cowboys can beat the Eagles again. I mean, they they killed them last time. They dominated the, uh, that game. And, you know, I will say this, and as much as everyone around here, including myself, you know, is tired of the whole Jason Garrett act, is tired of uh, what sometimes looks like incompetence as a head coach. He never has his team quit on him, and he has accrued what we we call around here RKGs, the right kind of guy. He's got a lot of right kind of guys, good clubhouse guys who are not going to let guys slack, who are not going to let guys quit on the team. And I think that really does matter in times of crisis like, is happening down here in Dallas. So I think odds are they make the playoffs. I think they win the East by default because no one else is good enough to win the division. And, you know, they'll probably get Seattle or San Francisco in, in the wild card game. And if it's San Francisco, I think they will lose, you know, uh, pretty handedly. But if it's Seattle, I think they've got a chance to go beat Seattle in the playoffs just like they did last year. 
I listen, I agree with you, and it's self-validation to some degree because I really like the Cowboys headed into the season. But I, I, I continue to say that it's not just as simple as it's it's just uh, barely um, more elaborate than than this simple like, hey, play good defense and run the ball. Yeah. That's what matters in January. But really, with the offensive line that re- remains not at the height of its powers of three, four years ago, but still a high-end offensive line – and Zeke in the backfield, and like you mentioned, the chilly air up in Chicago. The the guys don't like trying to wrangle twenty one in in uh, frigid temps. And then specifically with Quinn and Bennett and Tank Lawrence, they are constructed specifically defensively in January. If you look through the teams in the last decade that make hay in the postseason and make deep runs, the specific thing that the defense does well is that they can get after the QB if they get. Even a score up, that is what uh, seems to decide an inordinate number of games in January. So I continue to think that this Cowboys team, but I think the Niners and the Ca- the the wild card Niners heading down to Big D at minimum, that would be a lot of uh, fun for any of us who who love uh, pro football history, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it would be so fun and and kind of remind you of the old days. And even if you want to throw the Packers into that, I, I don't think hmm. the Cowboys would play the Packers. But we've seen some great playoff matchups in 2014 and 2016 between the Cowboys and the Packers where, you know, Aaron Rodgers ultimately comes out on top in the end. But, you know, that, that's been a, a good matchup. And it kind of reminds you of uh, the good old days of 90s football. But, you know, the thing I'll say overall, no matter who they play, and, and you make a, a great point about putting pressure on the quarterback. I, I didn't mention Malik Collins, who is a free agent at defensive tackle. He's been top 10 in the league as a DT in terms of pressures on the quarterback. I mean, he's been really good as well. And then adding Michael Bennett, but the thing that I would say is I don't trust the Cowboys from an overall game management perspective to out game plan their opponent in the playoffs, you know, two, three hmm. times in a row to make a run. And this is a go back to, it's very easy to blame things on the coach, but when you've had a coach for a decade and you've only won a couple playoff games, some, some of that's warranted. You go look at Jason Garrett's winning percentage against winning teams. It's well below 500. It's well below 500. Hmm. Like he doesn't, Hasn't shown that he knows what it takes to to beat some of these winning teams, and that's why it's this year's been so frustrating. You're six and six. If you would have just won one of those games against the Vikings or the Saints, who I know are great, or don't let the Packers let Aaron Jones run four touchdowns on you, you know, one of those games. And that New England game was winnable, but you know you can't expect to go into Foxborough and win. Nobody mm-hmm. does that. But just one of those games against a good opponent. Come out on top of one of those games, and maybe I feel better about the team. You go look at the Cowboys' wins, and it's a lot of New York Giants, Washington Redskins, Miami Dolphins. And it's things like that, not to mention a bad loss to the Jets uh, up in the yeah, if you, that That's exactly right. We are talking very – I mean, obviously, we can play what if all day, but the Jets game is one of the more – amusing results of the of the season so far and you're right and then you mix in one of those other close ones against a good team and we're uh we're america over is still singing songs about them jones has indicated that dak is is going to be his man i don't see any indication and since we're trying to keep it to five questions i'll boil it down to just this one then if because i hate to say oh fire a guy i feel bad the people have families and everything else but then again, Jason Garrett's made out pretty well, so I won't weep too much for him <laughs> with, uh, with the money he's been paid. Let's say that job is available come January or or, uh, or February. Who is – I'm going to leave it to you, Kevin Turner. You get to pick anyone you want. Who's the guy? Okay, well, I, this is it's tough to narrow down to one. So if we're swinging for the fences here, and you should be if you are Jerry Jones, the face of the most lucrative and famous sports franchise – you swing for the biggest fish in the sea, Bill Belichick. Now, hmm. it's interesting that Bill Belichick's contract details are not made public. I think it's been reported that he makes 12 and a half a year. Uh, but the length of that deal, it, you can't find it. It's unknown. It's just very interesting to me. And it's also very genius. Um, so I think you start at Bill Belichick and say, hey, you want $15 million to come run the team? By the way, I'm not what you think. I stay out of the way. Steven is my GM, and I can tell Steven that you're the GM, Bill. Do you want to head, uh, be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys? I've got a really good young quarterback that we're about to pay. You can go win a bunch of Super Bowls with him. You, you run the show down here. I'm not what you think I am. And that's, that's what I'm doing if I'm Jerry Jones. I call Bill. 
Now, the other names that are very- And Bill Parcells, Bill Parcells, I assume, has a positive story to tell about his experience, and I assume Belichick would uh, would take the word of Parcells, so that makes that not seem that big a long shot, really, with Tom Brady, you know, winding things up, you know, maybe as soon as this season. Yeah, like, I guess, like, surface level, it feels like a very headline thing to say, doesn't it? But like, yeah, it does, but it's interesting as you lay it out. But And also, what I'll say is Jerry is way more hands-off than he was in the Parcells era. Now, Jerry gave Parcells uh, the, the team in terms of kind of letting him find talent and things like that. But the thing that's it maybe the most underreported thing in Cowboys land, because there's so many things to report on in Cowboys land, is that in 2012 or 2013, right around then, Jerry Jones got a legit scout to run the uh, the, the scouting uh, front, and Will McClay, who is kind of GM by default, even though Jerry has the title, and Stephen Jones, Jerry's son, makes a lot of the decisions. I'm not saying Jerry has no say. I'm saying Jerry has significantly less say than he did in the 2000s. But I, said, I think some other names to keep in mind, and I, I hate talking about guys who have a job right now like Bill Belichick, but Sean Payton is another name mm-hmm. that just makes so much sense because of the past. Jerry loves Sean Payton. But keep this in mind. Stephen Jones' son, John Stephen Jones, is a quarterback at Arkansas right now. There was a few places that recruited him to go to school there. One of those was Texas Tech with Cliff Kingsbury. And he ended up going to Arkansas mm-hmm. with Chad Morse, the former SMU head coach. Another place that he visited was Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley. And I know that Lincoln Riley has a uh, a loose friendship with the Jones family up in Oklahoma. I think Lincoln Riley is a name we should keep an eye on. And while we're at it, can I give you one more? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm kind of giving a lot keep here. Keep it going. I love it. This is, These are all great names so far. I do think it's interesting that today uh, Washington uh, announced that Chris Peterson will be leaving that job. Now, I know there's been rumors that Chris Peterson – would go be the head coach at USC uh, if they get rid of Clay Hilton. I know that's a big rumor, but Chris Peterson's uh, – look at his history here. He was the head coach at Boise with Kellen Moore as his quarterback. The Cowboys have long been fascinated with Boise State players. Demarcus Lawrence. It's weird. I don't know why, but that is absolutely true. I love talking to those guys too. Uh, Leighton, uh, uh, Van Der Esch, and uh, and, Ta- and Tank Lawrence. I, it's weird the the pipeline that they have with the uh, with uh, Boise up there. Orlando Scandrick, uh, Tyrone Crawford. I mean, it goes back. It goes back huh. a long ways. Um, I know at draft season we start looking up who are the Boise State prospects because we're probably going to get one of those guys in here. So I think that's an interesting name to kind of throw out there as well. So, But I know this, if I'm Jerry Jones, and again, the face of the most lucrative and famous sports franchise in the universe, why am I settling for a Jason Garrett type? You know, I, I want what I want, and I have the money to make it right. So let's go get it. It's- it's exactly right. I say it all the time, just like USC or the New York Yankees or precious few other organizations out there in sports. It doesn't make sense for Jason Garrett to be the head coach of America's team, nor did it make any sense for Dave Campo to be the head coach. It's got to be a name brand. It's got to be a guy who by his own right has some history and some swagger and some and some fame and all that kind of stuff. That's what you need to be the head of America's team. In my book, the other thing I will say, too, is with Jerry with the hands-off thing, my two cents is if I spent billions of dollars to own a team, I would be all over it. I would, I, I would not be. People always do that thing where, hey, 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 owner, you should get out of this, man. Try, try and let the football men run the organization. No, I just spent billions of dollars. <laughs> I, if, I, if, if I buy a, um, a car, I'm allowed to drive it, right? Well, then now I'm a billionaire, and so I want to run this team. You, I think it's a fun thing that uh, you have going down there in Big D between Jer and Mark Cuban. I think that's a uh, that's exactly what I would do. I'd be all over it if it were if it were my franchise. No, yeah, exactly, and and I think it's a thing too. Like I, the thing that I get frustrated about is when people go, "Well, Jerry doesn't want to. He doesn't care about winning and all that stuff." And I'm like, "No, Jerry does. He lives and dies by this stuff. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. he cares and he is involved, but." For him, over the last five or six years, to take a step back and kind of let Steven take over a little bit, and Steven kind of helps out with the personnel stuff, but to allow them to draft the way they've drafted. Maybe the last two years don't look as great, but they went on a good run of some really good and deep drafts that have put them in this position to have 
real talented roster. And that doesn't happen without Jerry Jones taking his hands off the wheel a little bit. So he should get a little bit of credit for where they're at. Not not blame, in my opinion. I, I completely agree with you about that. He gets uh, he gets weird. That's a narrative people decided on a, de- a decade ago that Jerry Jones yeah. negatively impacts this team. And it, and it really isn't fair based on the pieces uh, that that uh, they've assembled, whether it's by his choice or the people he's deferred to. Either way, Kevin Turner, great fun. Uh, Kibitzin with you. Enjoy the last month of the season. And, uh, you know, like I say, for no other reason than because it will validate my preseason opinion. I hope the Cowboys wind up in the postseason. Give you more to Kibitz about on uh, about them Cowboys in January. Absolutely. Thank you very much. I enjoy uh, listening to your podcast all the time as well. And uh, hopefully we can talk again in the playoffs. I look forward to that, Kevin. We, appre- you know what? Maybe, maybe we will set a date for uh, in Miami. We can meet up and uh, and when the Cowboys and Steelers get uh, get it on for a fourth Super Bowl, yes, we'll we'll, uh, we'll have something to talk about then. A Super Bowl thirty rematch, and then uh, the other Super Bowls <laughs> before that that I was. I didn't like that one. I'm, I'm talking more about Super Bowl Super Bowls ten and thirteen. I, I want to. I want to focus on those either way appreciate the time kevin and uh continued success to you with uh, with about them cowboys thanks so much dave really appreciate it have a good one man two for two today with the guests well done there zuri kevin turner great and jeff zrebeck as well oh, yeah. what did you guys think about uh, what kevin had to say there i you know you you heard my thoughts on that i think the brand that is the Dallas Cowboys requires, well, I mean, Jason Garrett has disproven it's a requirement, but it it makes sense for them to have a big name running the show there, right? I guess, but I'm still sort of hung up on the idea that that's even a good job. It just feels like you can't succeed there. You know, like if if it works, Jerry Jones will make it about the fact that he put the right team in place and you were just sort of man, middle managing his perfect Super Bowl winning team and if it isn't working or even you're kind of good you know Jason Garrett's been the definition of kind of good for a decade now you know no nobody's thanking you you know you're always worried I don't know it just doesn't seem like a job where you can excel well I mean listen Jimmy Johnson was a big brand name when he left the U to go there we know about the roots of him and, and and Jer at Arkansas but you know listen Jimmy came out clean on the other side too. He got the, you know, got one of the signature gigs in in media in sports media after that and then he got to go hang out with the Dolphins for a while and everything and then get to come back. I I hear what you're saying. There's I what I balk at is the idea that the the defenders of Tony Romo at the height of his powers always said, "You don't understand. There's so much more pressure on you to be the the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys." I don't know. It feels like people watch pro football a lot, and I don't think that that pressure is exclusive or, or much greater because you're the Cowboys quarterback than it is if you're, you know, the... Andy, Andy Dalton had pressure on him this year. Yeah, fair. And, and, I was I was looking I was looking for I was looking for a, a team that has more success as a is oh, a sure. viable playoff team. But no, you're right, exactly. Even a team like the Bengals, uh, you know, even that quarterback has pressure on him, but. Yeah, the the brand that is the Cowboys. I think it's a little overstated about that. It's much more pressure to be in that spot. But I mean, all that being said, the idea of Belichick. When I've been talking for the last um, you know month or so about you know Tom Brady is not looking great, and I wouldn't be surprised if like Leonard, like uh, like um, Lennon and McCartney, or any other band that broke up because one guy wanted to see if he could make it uh, as a solo act. I think that deep down, the Tom Brady. And Bill Belichick both are intrigued by what would happen if I didn't have the other guy. And I don't know if, and I don't want to self-promote, um, but my NFL podcasts, uh, my NFL podcast had Willie McGinnis on today, and he had some interesting thoughts about Tom Brady. He said that's family fighting that goes on, and you're competitive and you get curious. But I think they deep down know what they've done together and they're probably unlikely to part ways is was and Willie McGinnis is a little more plugged in than Dave Damashek into what happens in Foxborough it's close um because because I'm a people person I'm an empath and I can read what people want deep down but Willie McGinnis uh, ha- has some merit in his opinion as well Belichick to the Cowboys sounds juicy and fun it also feels unlikely ultimately but if Brady were to go what 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 
does Belichick stay for uh, other than to do exactly what I just said? How can I let's let can I still make the Patriots a winning team without Tom Brady, the guy who they call GOAT? Is he incented to stay there? Or does he say, what's the best football situation? Certainly the pieces down in Dallas look better than what he has in in uh, New England, right? I don't I no, I think that Bill Belichick would stay in the NFL until he had another ring with someone other than Tom Brady. You do think that. Yes, That's I interesting. do think that. And, and I, I'll stand by what I think I floated here with you a week or two ago. Uh, and now people are starting to get behind this, not because of this show, but just it's there's some sense to this. I think it's McDaniels, who it, it, you can find odds on who the next Cowboys coach will be. And in one book I found, he's the favorite. Hmm. Um, I think it's McDaniels who goes, not Belichick, and I think he brings his boy Brady with him, and I think that's I your, love it. Your Jerry Jones, super fun. Toy I just chest. think Dak gets in the way of that happening. That's um, your perfect excuse not to sign Dak for too much money, is we can get Tom Brady for two years. I think that the one more likely than I mean, what do I know ultimately? But another guy who's old is Drew Brees. Yeah, and love it. once he goes. Unless Sean Payton is so tied in and he apparently loves New Orleans and Nola certainly loves Sean Payton, but he also, you know, the, the, all those roots back there, that I bet you they'd break the bank to try and get him to go there, and that would be a nice football spot for Sean Payton with the with the young talent that the Cowboys have. It's fun. Well, so I'm not fun for Jason Garrett, but who knows? Maybe he'll render it all moot, and maybe he will pull off the miracle, and maybe those Cowboys will make a deep playoff run and get all the way to the Super Bowl, as uh, as Kevin suggested, that that's the, the measure. If they come up anywhere short of the Super Bowl, I mean, imagine, though, if they really did fire it, they get to the championship game and they lose to, I don't know, the Packers or whatever, some powerhouse team, and then they're like, yeah, sorry, you're fired. Or, <laughs> I, I think that will happen. That's how tough the job is. I yeah. think they're going to make wild card weekend. I think they're going to maybe even, who knows, maybe they surprise someone if they get lucky with a matchup, and he'll be a playoff Coach. What if they play? What if they go to New Orleans for the title game and they lose that one? They're gonna say, "Sorry, man." Yes, that's huh. why I'm saying I don't think it's a good job. I think if you do what would be considered a, uh, you have a successful year by everyone else's standards, of you know, great. But there, it's Jerry's like, yeah, but you, that's proof you could have done better. I guy, my guys got you to the NFC Championship game, then you couldn't win it for us. Hmm. That would be his logic. It just there's no way to win there. Yeah, but if that's the logic, he could have applied it, you know, three years ago or four years ago. But anyhow, interesting stuff. Uh, let's cut it off there. We have another show coming at you for the subscribers only. Why don't you become one if you are just sampling us today? Sign up for the Athletic, and you can check that out. Either way, thanks to Jeff's Rebeck again, Ravens beat writer. Follow him the rest of the way home here. Sure to be exciting stuff. I don't know if it's a feel-good story, but one way or the other, it's sure to be interesting. And if you're a front-runner like Zuri is, then <laughs> that team probably is going to carry you through another six weeks at least, get you through wintertime. And then also, thanks to Kevin Turner, go check out About Them Cowboys, also on The Athletic, and for q and Zuri, and Gabe. That's it for us. Talk to you in 48 hours. Until then, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.